Welcome to the Think Kingdom Podcast. This week, we continue in our series, Emotions, Relationship Edition. Let's jump in and see what God's Word has for us from lead pastor, Antoine Lassiter. Man, this is week number two um, in our relationship series, um, Emotions. This is a relationship edition. Uh, last week, we, we spoke about Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 19. Um, that's sort of going to be the framework um, that uh, the scripture says, so then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with who? The saints. And we're members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So um, in him, the whole building, say the whole building, is being put together and it grows into a holy temple in the Lord. If we want to build our, if you're going to build your life on anything, and we're going to build, whether we're active or not, whether we're participating or not, we are building our lives on something. The question is, what are we building our lives on? Now, believers, say believers, we are supposed to build our life on Jesus. Jesus is the cornerstone. And so when they used to build buildings, they were, they would use the cornerstone as the foundation for the building. Everything rests on that cornerstone. So if you're building your marriage on your career, if you're building your marriage on your witticism and your good looks, those things will eventually pass away. And that's why many of us, um, when we build our things on temporary things, we end up in shambles. You know, um, in, in, in your house, you will see that they take meticulous time in making sure that the foundation is set. No matter how you decorate them walls, and no matter how much you spend on furniture, if that foundation ain't right, you in trouble. And so oftentimes we look back and we start seeing cracks in our foundation. And so what we have to do is call Ramjack and they got to come and they're going to cost so much money to get that foundation together if we would have poured it right at first. And so sometimes with life, there's collateral damages because we have built our lives on something else outside of Christ. Now, some of us, if we're not careful, we have a semblance of Jesus, but it's not the real Jesus. If the real Jesus agrees with everything you say, that's not the real Jesus because we should be agreeing with everything he says. If we're the center then your marriage, your health, your life has to be held up by your own strength. And sir and ma'am, newsflash, you ain't that good. Bad English. But it accentuates my point. So instead of, of building a life with Jesus as the focal point, people always want to build on an alternative. Think the Tower of Babel. And so... Um, we want to forge our own way without following the way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and light. Now listen, here's the crazy part. He, he draws a line by saying this, no one, say no one, can get to the Father except through me. 
So whatever faith that you subscribe to, if you're watching online or you're sitting in the midst, that doesn't go through Jesus is fake, false, fake news. Jesus is the game changer. And so um, without building our lives on the cornerstone of Jesus, we develop these unhealthy relationships. And to maintain these unhealthy relationships, I'm sort of reviewing for last week, we have to beg, bribe, and bully people to be in relationships with us. We, got to bring in you to con- we have to bring you into condemnation so you'll never leave us. If you don't leave me, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, girlfriend, boyfriend, if, they, if Jesus leaves you, and so oftentimes we, we misappropriate the difference between need and love. Our need for them should never outshadow our love for them. Oh, because dependency creates more of a control structure than influence. Giving examples. Now, our children, when, when they go to school, we are not hovering above them. We have to realize that some of that stuff the teacher is saying about our children is true. Let me, um, I'm I'm sorry. Um, Yeah. And so sometimes when in that context, we always defend our children. He will never say such things. Okay. Okay. So we got to make sure that when we are in these unhealthy relationships, there's hope. And even if the relationship that started was a little shaky, there's hope in Jesus. But if you ever get lost, say, if I ever get lost, stop driving the wrong direction. Like, you might want to pull over and get the GPS out. Now I'm going to keep driving and see what happens. And that's how we run our lives. Okay, so um, we made four points from last week. Point number one, you must love Jesus more than your relationship. Abraham loved Isaac. Lord's like, hey, okay, you love him a lot, don't you? That's my son. Absolutely. This is the promise. You love your son more than me? It depends. He didn't say that. He took his son to sacrifice. You must love Jesus more than you love your relationships. The second thing is Jesus is our example for how to love people. So this is hard for non-believers because if we're non-believers, then the focal point of my life is me. And so why should I listen to Jesus, right? So as believers, we understand that Jesus is the cornerstone. Now, I beat this thing, hopefully, into some area of your mind, but I have to keep reminding us that this is for believers. Now, principles can apply, but if Jesus is not the cornerstone, it's already going to be hard, but it's going to be nearly impossible to build your life on and, and have a sustainable and free and peaceful, not peaceful in the sense of absence of trouble, but peaceful in the sense that you know greater has come. So he says, so we talked about direction is more important than speed. Um, do not let your loneliness be the driving force for that relationship. Um, point number four is holiness is abstaining from evil and pursuing God. Pursue God. 
And so this is our relationship edition. So um, I'm going to talk about um, the elephant in the room. And so I'm borrowing this from the psychologist named Jonathan Haidt, H-A-I-D-T. Um, and he introduced this analogy for thinking about behavior, especially when it comes to change. He's argued that there's two sides. There's an emotional side, and then there's an analytical side. And the emotional side is the elephant. So the, the emotional side is the elephant, and the elephant is, uh, represents our emotions. And so the rider represents our brain or our, um, our mindset or our logic. And so the brain is the rider on top of the elephant. And remember, the elephant is the emotions. And the rider can lead or drag the elephant, but if the elephant doesn't want to go the rider can't make it. In other words, if we don't get our emotions in check, I want to be happy in this marriage, but if we don't get our emotions in check, my good intentions don't matter because my good intentions are being hijacked by my habits. And my habits were formed by repeating of a certain behavior. So many of us, we're going to talk about communication, boundaries, and trust real briefly, but many of us, when we get... Um, when conflict comes, we have a tendency to withdraw. Others, when conflict comes, you blow up. And so your intended direction goes another way because we can't control the elephant of our emotions. So he says, um, in order for us to change behavior, um, number one, you have to determine the direction. You have to be able to give clear directions to this is where we're trying to go. And then um, you have to, in terms of what his philosophy was, you have to motivate the elephant. You have to put it something to, to motivate the emotions to go the certain way that you want to go. And then he says, you have to actually shape the path. In other words, you have to reduce the obstacles. You have to reduce the obstacles or change the environment in order for the behavior to change. But here's the issue. Our emotions that are going unchecked is like an elephant doing whatever it wants to do. So our emotions are our gauge, not our God. I'll give you an example of how this plays out in a relationship. I'm just the type of person, I'm going to say what I feel. And that's why you're still alone. And, and so gauges measure the magnitude of something. So oftentimes there's two frameworks. We got people who feel everything and they, they just move by their elephants. Or we got people who don't feel nothing. And I will suggest to you that uh, we can't have those two opposites either. It's, it's, you, you, we live in a tactile world. We feel, we see, we, we, we correspond. And so these things are important. Why would God give us emotions if he didn't want us to use them? And so when you look through scripture, you see emotional people, people that are crying out to God. We're never told to turn our emotions off. We're told not to be led by them. When our emotion guide us, especially in our relationships, it's like an untamed elephant causing destruction everywhere it goes. And this is where some of us have the misnomer that it's freedom. No, read your Bible. Because he talks, in the book of James, talks about an uncontrolled tongue. In Matthew, talks about corruptible or foul language, foul words. And so I just say this when I'm angry. 
as if that's a license to sin. This elephant of emotions is being destructive in every area of our lives. And the common thread is us. So if our intellect guide us, we might take uh, logical steps, but it doesn't mean it's necessarily healthy. Um, we are not called to live in such a way that it dismisses our emotions entirely. So the rider and the elephant has a place. And so if the intellect now um, is is being the driving force, then what happens, we're on this journey together and I'm just dismissing at times how I'm really feeling. And then the people around us um, see it. And here's what Christians do. I'm talking to Christians now. Christians have a tendency to what they call to do spiritual bypassing. It means that we use these spiritual concepts or platitudes or even activities to avoid dealing with our true feelings. Okay? Like this. I'm not lonely. I have Jesus. Okay? I pray so I don't need therapy. Hey, look closer. Because we got this idea that if we have this horrible experience in our physical bodies, no one cares that we go to the doctor. It's almost expected. But we have these overwhelming emotions. Everybody's like, why are you seeing a therapist? You're not crazy. I'm seeing a, I'm, I'm seeing a therapist so I can stop from being crazy. And, and so there has to be a, a permission to be able to understand that God has made me mind, body, and spirit. I got to take care of this temple, and I got to take care of this mind, because as the mind goes, everything else goes. And so there has to be a bridge between my emotions, my physical, and the spirit. And so overwhelming grief trauma or whatever it, whatever it is should not be turned off. Or I can't preach past this pain. And you can't sing past that trauma. And if we are not honest and don't get help, then we're going to leave these dysfunctional lives that we normalize. Our children can't come to us because we're not dealing with our own emotions, so how dare we deal with theirs? And so we make them withdraw. And then they see the contradictions trying to walk out this, this Christian life. And they see the fact that you're telling us you're praying. But you're you doing something else behind those closed doors. And so God wants us to be free. Now, spiritual bypassing is not only emotional immaturity. It's also spiritual immaturity. It's just being masked. And so you can't preach, play, or pray past your trauma. And you and I will fill ourselves with activities that creates moments of joy and pleasure. But and then these activities become our identity. So I become the pastor and that's all because I, I feel good when I pastor. I'm preaching and I'm, I'm teaching the word of God. And then I go into my little cave and I'm struggling emotionally and I'm refusing to get help because now I created an image for myself. And so over time, the preaching becomes empty. Over time, the pastoring becomes empty because now it's based on what I see and not who I am in Christ. 
And so how does it play out in your life? Well, you were doing good. You got the job you wanted. You got the salary you wanted. And that became your identity. As soon as it goes, you got to deal with that man in the mirror. You got to deal with that woman in the mirror. Oftentimes, you know, being a preacher's kid is hard. And all my examples are based on the kids that I raised. And so <laughs> it's, it's sort of hard. But there are certain things that I see in my sons. I was like, man, I should have dealt with that when they were this small. And then I realized, man, now I have to be the God. Can't control their behavior. I have to influence it now. And so this is how, like, even the psalmist in Psalms 23 and 4, he says, even though, even when I go through the darkest valley. He didn't say, I might. He says, when, he doesn't say if. He says, when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. Why? Because he's with me, his rod and his staff comfort me. Serving God does not avoid the valleys. And, and so coming to Christ is the act of bringing all of ourselves to him. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Not just the parts that, that sounds good on paper or look good in front of an audience. That the thing that I realize in this journey that I'm on is that I can't escape me. Wherever I go, there I am. I go to this job and I'm happy and then all of a sudden I'm not anymore. It's the job's fault. I go to this job, and I'm happy. I'm like, man, this is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in my eyes. And then all of a sudden, I'm not happy anymore. I go to this, and I do this, and I do this, and I realize that, man, if I move across the street, I'm there. If I move across the country, I'm there. I and you are always there. So if we're going to be together, speaking of me, myself, and I, then let's get healthy. Let's get whole. And here's the problem of, of kingdom resistance. Many of us, we want to get whole. We want to get free. We just don't know how. So positionally, we are in Christ. Positionally, we are in Christ. You know that. I'm saved, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. But the question remains, Danny, how? How do I live out this gospel? How do I live out this gospel in my marriage? How do I live out this gospel in my body? How do I live out this gospel raising these kids? How do I live out this gospel in a world that's anti-gospel? And so the war that's in me is also in you. And the circumstances and the environment is just producing what's already in me. That's why Jesus says that, that nothing outside can corrupt the inside. It's already being fermented. And now when it has an act, and, and, and now when circumstances happen, it just comes out. Whatever's in you comes out. If you are orange and I squeeze you, orange juice come out. If, I, if you're apple and I squeeze you and uh, beets come out, you're not an apple. It's not deep. <laughs> But, 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 but here's the reality. So I am seeing people, and I am, let me, let me say something. Let me slow down. I feel the unction of the Holy Spirit to put this in here. I'm talking about me first. So let me just, let me just, let me just clear the atmosphere. Because that, that, sometimes when you preach messages that hit real home, then he's talking about me. Yes, and I'm talking about me. I am the chief sinner in this regard. I have not always been emotionally healthy. I thought if I just keep doing then God going to conceive about me. He did. Trust me. I just didn't like what he was saying. You doing, you doing this for me or you doing this for you? Oh, hey, oh, hey. What, what, what do you mean? 
because I'm telling you to do this, but you're so consumed with what the people think. So you did start out well. What hindered you? And I'm realizing, man, and all this stuff, Tiffany, goes back deep. And, and hear me, and hear me well. When I start unpacking this, I did not like what I saw, and it smelled horrible. So if I close my eyes, I could still smell it. If I, I could still hear it. And so then the collateral damage was seen in my marriage. The collateral damage was seen in relationships. And I realized, okay, the one common denominator in all these relationships that are falling apart is me. And so this is why that elephant in the room, and the elephant's always going to be there. But the question is, who's going to tame it? Who among us is strong enough to tame the elephant of your emotions? I mean, you, can, can we just be, keep it real? The camera's not on, and you just, just me and you talk. You don't even like yourself. Sometimes you and yourself have to go in separate rooms to coexist. <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. <laughs> well, hold on. All right, I'm sorry, Holy Spirit. All right, focus. All right, so John chapter 11, verse 33, when Jesus saw her crying, this is, the story of, this is the story of Lazarus. This is the account of Lazarus. And here's Jesus, the resurrection. He comes, and Jesus saw her crying, and the Jews had come with her crying. He was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Wait, that's why we turn off our emotions. No, Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. And, we're, and he asked, where have you put him, he asked. Lord, they told him, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, see how he loved them. And so if we don't understand that emotions are a gauge and not our God, then we will have a tendency to, we will have a tendency to, um, to minimize that, the elephant. And the elephant will continue to destroy things until it's tired. I saw this video of this, um, this uh, elephant going through this, this small village, and man, they could not control that elephant, and that elephant just kept destroying stuff until eventually it got tired, but then when it was getting tired, it was just looking for something to eat, because it won't finish. And so here we are, I got these emotions that we see it coming to the, to the head, right? It's like you, you said something you don't want to say, and then you can see the collateral damage. And some of us, we see it, and then we see the destruction. We stop. But what are you going to feed that elephant? Because sometimes we stop because the persons we're in a relationship with, their tolerance level is gone. And this may be the self-fulfilling prophecy that you've been prophesying since the relationship started. You're going to leave me. Absolutely, because <laughs> I can't deal with this. And so over time, what happens is, and so the elephant subdues, or it seems, and now that elephant is walking around peacefully. He's just looking for something else to eat. He's coming back. And, and, and so Ephesians chapter uh, 
um, Ephesians chapter 4, I think. Whatever I put my notes, my notes are messed up. Lord, pray for me. Um, Ephesians um, says now, but that is now how you came to know Christ. Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Now, remember that the elephant is going to feed off whatever is set before him. And so we have choices whether we're going to feed that elephant. And so the, one of the things that, that I think Paul is writing to the church and, um, in Ephesians, he's tell, reminding them, and this is what the gospel seems to have this reoccurring thing, reminding the people of who they are. That the foundation of their lives, the building, if you will, that they're actually building is supposed to be built on Christ. And so Paul is reminding them, listen, but that is not how you came to know Christ. You came to know Christ with a broken heart and a heart that expects, like the the heart that this is open for his love. And then he says, you heard about him. I'm assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Most relationships start off wrong because they have unmet expectations. And so over time, when the, the, like, like I said something I have to recant because I didn't say it in its full context. But last week, I was like, the only reason I married my wife was because she made me happy. That is false. That was an incomplete thought. I had, to, I had to come back to that because I love my wife with an immature love. And that immature love was tested based on its ability to handle it. But as we grow now, I love her with a different type of love than what we started off with. Because we've been through some stuff now. We were all googly eyes and just like, man, I love the way she looked. I love the way she looked. But then when we had our argument, why is she looking at me that way? <laughs> and, and so what the, this is where I, I, I hope and pray for, the, uh, for the, the, the older generation to mentor this younger generation. The problem with the younger generation is you ain't been through nothing. And so what happens is you can't tell the, not this church, not these young people, the other young people I run into in the world, that you can't tell these young people nothing because they know everything. They have an energy to disprove themselves. And that's why they continue to beat their head against the wall because they actually have the energy to sustain those blows. But do you not make, do not make any grown-up decisions that you can't deal with the grown-up consequences? And so over time, what we see, Tiffany, we have the benefit of making those mistakes. And so, man, what, if you, your grandparents are still here, you better love on them because they got some knowledge that you don't know about. They got some history with God that you don't know about. When Penny is opening up for the women's group, you better hang at her, at her hymn because she got some information that you wish you going to have. But here's what happens. You can't tell them nothing. But then sometimes as older people, I'm sort of in between. I ain't young, but I ain't old. I'm somewhere in between. So what happens with, with the older people, sometimes we keep seeing these young people bang their head, bang their head, bang their head, and we get a little problematic because we forget we used to be young. And so when Jesus said, hey, when, I think it was Paul, um, season what you say with salt. We just throw vinegar on them. I told you. I told you that won't going to work. Who wants to hear that? But that's, that's, I just said that for folks who won't listen to older people, older people who talk to younger people in any way you want to. All right, so unmet expectations. The, Paul is reminding the church 
that they should no longer walk as the world does. See, that's why I'm talking about believers, man. Because the expectations of believers being in a relationship is fruitfulness. So what really going on? Remember who you are. Verse number 22, take off your former way of life. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. What's that song say? 99 and a half won't do. It's close, but it won't do. (laughs) Take off your former way of life. The old self, wow, that is corrupted by deceitful desires. Take it off your old self, but be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and the purity of the truth. But it's the second point that feeds this elephant of emotions is unresolved issues. We go into these relationships with a bunch of baggage of unresolved issues, expecting that the person that we're in relationship now is going to help us work out those things. Give me, give me, hit me back in about six months. Because that garbage that you, that we have um, gotten used to smelling is new to them. So we're bringing this garbage into relationships and expect them to have a tolerance to smell. Dismissing the fact that it's like I say, I've been like this since 1975. And God has, if God doesn't arrest my heart, I'm going to have that same testimony in the year 2050. I've been like this since 1975. And that's why you're alone. There has to be, um, uh, um, we have to starve this elephant of these unresolved issues because unresolved issues um, not only lead to addictive behaviors, conflict avoidance, anxiety, confusion, but it also creates collateral damage. And so it wasn't, listen, everything being equal, it wasn't necessarily your spouse, but your spouse triggered in you what was already in you. It wasn't necessarily your new church, but the new church sparked some unresolved issues potentially in the old church. And so if we don't deal with putting on the new self and and literally um, taking off, here's what's crazy. He said, take off the old and put on the new. Stop piling these garments. Man, that was good. That was tweetable. Stop, man. Y'all, y'all fueling this monster. All right, so it's, it's the unresolved issues, and your unresolved issues can lead to bitterness. Now, you couple the unresolved issues with unmet expectations. I still believe, after being with my lovely wife for, all, for 26 years, I still believe she's supposed to read my mind. That's the cra- I know that's the key. That's the craziest thing, but I literally struggle. I'm open book. Like, she should know. And then it's like those unmet expectations. It's like, she should know that, I- man. And now my thoughts is like, y'all ready? Y'all ready? Let's go cause some problems. Those unresolved issues. And so the unmet expectations. And then verse number 25, because I got to go. It says, therefore, putting away lying. Uh-oh. 
You know how we paint the picture of our exes? You know how we paint the picture of our former church? You know how we paint the picture of our former job? Them people ain't care about me. They paid you every week? I mean, they did, but ain't nobody. <laughs> that was the agreement. They did not say it's going to be a happy place and we're, we're going to have cartoons on Saturday and we're going to invite your kids. No, they said we're going to pay you X amount of dollars to do X amount of work. You stop doing the work, they stop paying you. What is wrong with you? Put away lying. Okay, put away lying. But here's the thing. Speak the truth. Each one to his neighbor because we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Lost most of us. Every time I anger, I sin. Okay, that's not something to boast about. Do, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Boy, I had to pull the Catholic out there. <laughs> Don't give the devil an opportunity. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So when I'm angry, I have a, I have a propensity to sin, and then the devil can come in and use that to his advantage. Verse number 28, let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. No foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. Not only are we dealing with unmet expectations, unresolved issues, but that uncontrolled tongue. I'm not going to bite my tongue for nobody. Not even Jesus, huh? <laughs> Colossians 4 and 6, let your speech always be gracious. The whole altar is filled with us. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you should answer each person. But abundance, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if in those times that I feel pushed, or if I feel like threatened and I say some things, Go back to point number one, it's some unresolved issues. And it's just being harvested at the time that my inhibitions are low. That's why they said being drunk is like being angry. Do not tell a drunk man to calm down. That's like the worst. Hey man, I'm just saying calm down. Calm? <laughs> it's like, yo. And so you see how you had to like, hey bro, man, it's all good. What you talking to me? You have to become almost like a hostage negotiator. You don't upset the person you're negotiating with. But how much more to the people that we're in relationship with? But when my expectations are unmet and I don't feel like I'm being heard, then when the people don't feel heard, they do things to be heard. And on base level, that's yelling, which gets me to my fourth point. And don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting, and slander be removed from you along with all malice. The fourth point is unrestrained behavior. It eventually comes out. And it's like the old, the old experiment with vinegar and baking soda. It eventually bubbles to the surface. And now it's everywhere. And it's because, number one, we got to fix that inner me. 
me. And so then he says, verse number 32, um, and be kind and compassionate to one another. Mm. Forgiving one another. Just as God also forgave you in Christ. So we talked about unresolved issues, unmet expectations, uncontrolled tongue, unrestrained behavior. And the last point is unforgiveness. We have learned how to weaponize our wounds. And it's weaponized because it's a form of self-protection. I will not allow myself to be hurt again then how are you going to be in a relationship with anyone? Because relationships speak of vulnerability. Go back to Genesis. They sinned together. I mean, when, when God put them together, they, they were naked and not ashamed. Sin came, and the first thing they did was cover themselves. And so when we're in relationship with people, there's an act of vulnerability that's needed. So if you already come with the wall... And here's the, the cycle of mistrust. I'm not going to give this person my all. I'm not going to give my church my all. I'm not going to give my job my all. Nope. And then we look at them sus when they don't give us their all. You see the cycle you're in? I'm, I can't trust anyone. So this is not a time for you to be in a relationship. And, and so unforgiveness helps to protect myself from future hurting. Remember, we are Christ followers, which means we should be led by the Spirit. And so the rider and the elephant must be led by the Spirit of God. And these emotions that we've been harvesting, these scorecards that we be keeping, she got one more time. You wrote it down and remembered it. And then <laughs> we laugh because it's true. And, and, and then the person don't even know what they said. But you bust through the door, waving the 4-4, about to shoot everybody. Because what you just did was you just assumed that the person who hurt you was intentional. And you always like this. You waiting for it. And, you know, it's like buying a red car. You didn't really see red cars until you bought one. Now you see red cars everywhere. That's a red car. That's a red car. Oh, that's nice. That's a red car. The same thing when you're wounded. That we're in relationships with people, and now because that's your wound, you see it everywhere. I just don't like the way people just walk and don't speak. But listen, that woman is deal, dealing with X, Y, Z. He's dealing with this. It's not that they didn't see you. The stuff that they're dealing with is clouding their vision. Nobody called me during these dark days of my life. They did. You just didn't accept their phone calls. And so all of this is being played out in our minds. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do is take control of our minds. Such as a man think, so is he. And so the writer, the man, the woman... I have to follow the leading of the Spirit because I'm going to close on Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. We'll unpack more of this next week. Therefore, be imitators of God 
as dearly loved children and walk in love as Christ also loves us and gave himself for us. My dear friends, Jesus is our example of how to love our neighbor. Jesus is our example of how to love our family, our spouses, our churches, our lenders. Jesus is the foundation, is the cornerstone of how to love everything that should be in the life of a believer important to us. It matters that you're late on your job. Whole church was quiet. But I got to drop my kid. Yeah, you're just going to have to get up earlier. It, it matters how I, uh, I treat my wife in public and private. It matters how I treat my children. One of the biggest challenges of the church wasn't this mask, but this one. This mask will smile on your face and talk about you. And when Jesus says, hey, when Paul says, be imitators of God, don't let any corruptible thing come from your lips. I try to live, it's hard, but I try to live by giving people the benefit of the doubt. But what that does, it always puts me in a quandary. I cannot do this if I don't see the good in people. Because to protect myself, I just build a wall. But if we're going to be in relationships with people, spouse, whomever, I do this a lot. I could be in my room and some hurtful things were said, and I do this. I'd be in my room and um, good news, I do this. And every time I do this, it reminds me that I have to catch what God wants me to catch and I have to let go what God wants me to let go. Whatever season I find myself in, Paul says, I learn to be content. But content is nothing to do, has nothing to do with circumstances. He said, I learned to have a lot and I learned how to have a little. I learned how to be content. And the problem with us, that if you're single, be content in your singleness. Doesn't matter, doesn't mean that you don't want to, you don't desire marriage. But two half people don't make a whole. Whole people. And so we're going to end next week what we mentioned at the beginning of the series. What every relationship needs. Communication, boundaries, trust, respect, support, and security. And we're going to unpack. Remember, if you don't believe in the authority of Scripture... You believe, in, you believe in your favorite relationship expert more than the Bible, this series is not for you. Because our cornerstone is Christ. And so if we want to, to, to build our lives on anything, let's lay the groundwork for Christ.
That was Pastor Antoine continuing in our series, Emotions, Relationship Edition. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. And if you are in Charlotte or any of the surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kannapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays at 1033 on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe and check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.